I don't buy the idea that, you know, the society the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Welcome to Rewrite the Rules with your host, Alex Starr. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. It's time to live life on your own terms. What do you really want? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from Austin, Texas. I am uh, looking out at the overgrown and overplanted garden that I have outside my window here, um, but it lets me know that spring and especially summer is upon us. So hope you all are enjoying that and uh, getting out there and kind of taking on the world a little bit with this warm weather. Um, I got Cody McLean on the podcast today, a buddy of mine. He's an entrepreneur. He's an author. Um, he's a pilot and, uh, he has an incredible backstory. If you're interested in that, check out his book. Um, I've read it and it is, um, amazing. It's called from foster care to millionaire, uh, success, failure, and triumph. Or, I'm sorry, a young entrepreneur story of tragedy and triumph. Um, and, uh, yeah, this was one of my favorite podcasts to record hands down. We had a very easy conversation, um, very insightful uh, talking about a wide range of subjects. So I'm stoked for you guys to listen to it. Um, one caveat is that my MacBook Pro that I had was old. And so it like the processing speed couldn't keep up with the audio that was coming in. And for the first time ever, when I finished the recording, I looked at Audacity, which is what I use to record stuff. And it just showed these little spots of silence where it couldn't keep up. So anyway, you're going to hear parts where we're talking about who the fuck knows ice cream and then the next second it cuts and it's talking about nanotechnology and you know how society pressures us into certain uh factions and uh, it won't make any sense but just kind of let it ride for a minute and catch back on to the new conversation it should only happen three times <laughs> and the rest of it will be worth it i promise and uh, i got a new macbook pro so that shouldn't be an issue uh, after this so um, anyway, you can find uh, Cody. He's on Instagram. Um, his website is the same. It's Cody McLean. That's M-C-L-A-I-N. Um, where he's got a great email newsletter and things like that on there. You can find me at Instagram, Alex H. Star. Um, my website, alexstar.com. And um, check out, I got, I'm going to be posting some new ones coming out here. I got Aubrey Marcus's right-hand man coming on next. Um, so stay tuned for that. I love all of you. And I truly hope you're enjoying the summer um, and if you're in Austin, Texas, you know who to hit up and we can, uh, go get a beer or a kombucha, right, bro? All right, guys. Enjoy. Cody, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you, Alex. Awesome to be here. Yeah. How are you feeling, um, with the cushion? We just, you're on a hard... It feels like sitting on a cloud. Yeah? Yeah. Do you, um, does that make a big difference for you? Like the physical surroundings of how comfortable you are in terms of how well you can think? Mm. Maybe, maybe not. But, uh, so I have Asperger's. And so it's, so what's different about this is that everything, any kind of sensual stimulus outside, visual sights, it can be easy to get overwhelmed. And that's not really something I, I, I think about on a conscious level, but even having something like a cushion to sit on, it's, it's, it has even unknown effects that, you know, even as we say, neurotypical regular people might not be able to notice, but we're just more sensitive to that. So it's, it's a thought that came up. Huh. So what other ways does that, how, what other ways does that come up? Like throughout your daily life in terms of the Asperger's? Always having awkward greetings and interactions. <laughs> like I've, I've got this bro, like uh, <laughs> I generally not friends with bros, but I have this, this bro friend. I, I, he's kind of like an omni bro where what, he can be with. What can, do you mean by bro? Well, he, he, he can hang out with the bros. Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to get it too descriptive into bros. I think everybody has their own definition. Sure. But uh, you wouldn't think that he's able to have deep, meaningful, philosophical conversations. Okay. And I end up being able to have those with that. But every time we meet, you know, he puts out his, his hand and then we're, we're supposed to do like, I'm supposed to put my hand on his back. Even even our interaction, me coming into your house, I felt like it was a little awkward. But yeah. I, I, I choose not to take that in a negative light because I remember this, this thing of being in an elevator and it can always be awkward. Awkward when there, when nobody's talking, but I try and tell myself it's only awkward if you think it's awkward. So I'm choosing to try and not think things in a negative way. Yes. Um, well, first of all, cool. first of all, 
Yeah. Awesome. Second of all. Yeah. Um, is that it is something that is awkward for everybody. Mm. <laughs> like even, you know, like I don't always know. No one really ever knows exactly what the other person's going to do in terms of like, do we handshake here? Do we go for like the bro hug? Do we do the half bro hug? Like how well do you know the person where you can actually just do the full hug? Then you also got to take into consideration the surroundings. What city are you in? Uh, I mean, the ethnicity, right? Like different mm. different cultural groups and like ethnicities will do their greetings differently. So like that all compounds into like what time of day it is, how much alcohol has been imbibed. There's a million factors to consider in terms of like, is it a guy and a guy? Is it a guy and a girl? Right? Have you met the girl for the second time? So now it's a hug, mm. right? Is it that certain type? Of, is it that like a yoga event? Then everyone's hugging each other. Mm. But if it's at a business, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many factors to consider in just going for the greeting. And and so what I find about people with, say, Asperger's or, or nerdy or they're geeks is they, they tend to have a lower EQ, right? Where they're not as emotionally intelligent about um, energy and, and vibes. And I've been lucky in the past few years to be able to have more of these experiences going to, to festivals, uh, meeting people who have these good vibes. Because I used to be a negative Nancy and just always pointing out the negatives. And I still have these negative thoughts that pop up, but I'm able to not suppress them, but choose whether or not I want to bring them up. Because I realize even an interaction, it's it's an energy, right, that you're exchanging mm-hmm. in a way is having these these positive vibes. And so being able to recognize this other level that most of the time when even when we're doing a greeting, we have this subconscious exchange of energy, right? And we're giving off or feeding each other, we're reading each other. And to be able to take that and learn about that, I think has improved me significantly, especially uh, compared to many other aspects who are unfortunate enough to not be able to to push themselves out of their boundaries as much because it's so easy to, to just want to be secluded and just to sit where you're not being challenged, where you don't have to get outside your bubble mm-hmm. because everything could just be sensory overload so easily. Mm-hmm. So how'd you get to that point? How did you go from being a negative Nancy to a positive Petunia? <laughs> Lots of experiences, uh, going to, to festivals, uh, finding relationships. There, There's a point where I don't think I'm ready to be vulnerable about everything I'd like to be, but I think I'm getting there. Uh, being bullied when I was growing up, I, I had a lot of uh, negative experiences, uh, losing my parents when I was young. You know, I started my first business when I was 14, and uh, for a long time I was depressed, and I was suffering just from debilitating anxiety. I thought I would never achieve anything in life. Uh, I smoked a lot of weed, then I got, then kind of got out of that phase, and then I started to challenge myself because at one point I was so lonely, I thought I would die alone. And I told myself, you know, I'm not going to choose that. And so, especially when I turned 21, I started to go to meetups, started to go to bars, even though I was uncomfortable, it was something where I pushed myself out there to to try Mm -hmm. those new experiences. And it's easy to sometimes dip down into these negative experiences, but I can always recall back on the, on the challenges and the things that I was able to overcome in the, in the past and Mm -hmm. choose to, to make progress in the future. And there's this, this, this quote that even even literally has been coming up at least one conversation like every day for the past week is that life never gets easier but we can always get stronger mm. and so I, I like to have that committed to memory and I think anybody should be able to have that kind of tool in their toolbox of reminding themselves of all the struggles and the past traumas that they've endured and that if they've gone through that shit they can get through anything else in the future yeah did you read David Goggins book or did you listen to it Yes. Yeah. And that was a, a very prominent theme in that book. Yeah. That was a real self-help book. <laughs> that was, that's a real self-help book. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, if, that was an extremely prominent theme because, and it's really, it's a really, really useful mental trick mm. or a, a mental tip, I guess, something like that, where you can, when you're struggling, you literally just put yourself in that mindset of when you were accomplishing something. And it really does like, pull this power back within you mm. to overcome what you're going through at that moment. Um, so you're saying that you use that now decently frequently in terms of like when you don't want to do something or when you're having a problem, you just pull up these thoughts from the past of like these things that you got over and that you triumphed over and then you bring that into the present reality to help you. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think there, whenever you're experiencing some level of discomfort or negative feelings about something, 
I, I, there, there's always multiple reasons about why it might be. And it's an interesting observation to be able to, to step back or kind of like pause life for a moment and to observe your thoughts or, or the energy or that whether you're procrastinating, whether you're feeling super sad, uh, is, is to be able to dive into the, sub niche category of that feeling. So for example, if you're feeling sad, you might be lonely or you might be uh, upset over losing the losing a job or or it might be a, a, a causal or causal events within our past, you know, few weeks or few months, but to be able to see, oh, I'm sad because I haven't had any interaction with people, I'm going to call a friend and that's going to make me happy. So to be able to, to analyze your own thoughts in a way. I think the metacognition to observe yourself. Uh, There's also a recent study that I've tried uh, myself. You know, whenever we get angry, it's so easy to just get angry and we, we can't control ourselves. But after the fact, we look back and we're like, oh, we're so stupid. Why do we do that? Uh, but to do even mindfulness meditation, mindfulness practice, it allows you to have more conscious awareness over that feeling when it's occurring. And there was even a new study that actually said if we refer to ourselves in third person, then we can actually even have more granular control over ourselves. And a recent example is I was I was going to get on I-35 and there was this guy behind me that was like trying to rush up against me and just I, I most instantly I just got rage and I was like, fuck you. And I decided to go ahead and uh, speed up too. So I couldn't get in front of me. But at the same time, I was like, why am I so angry? And I said to myself, Cody is angry. Mm. And it just gave me this weird sensation of like, it's one thing to say to yourself, I feel I'm angry. But to even add your name to it, it's kind of add like another layer of like, wow. To, to add that, it added that that surreal sense of I am actually observing myself in this very moment and i was instantly able to calm down and be like you know if he does it again just let him go ahead you know it's not my my business Mm, yeah that detachment from the initial um like primal ego Mm. i think is something that you know that there's always been this talk of like you know there's the there's the thought and then there's the observer of the thought Mm. You know, there's like, there's the two sides of that in terms of like what's going on in our consciousness. And then at some point you can actually, you can also observe the fact that you're observing the thought, Mm. (laughs) you know, almost to infinity, Mm. you know? Um, But I think that that detachment, that initial detachment where you call it for what it is in the same way that you, it's really helpful when you say something like, um, instead of like, man, I'm, I'm fucking pissed right now. Like I'm angry is to say something like, I feel anger. Mm. Same kind of thing, right? It's just like creating this detachment from letting that emotion, which is transient, and let stopping it from like starting to infiltrate and and, and taking over your entire right. self, you know, and like keeping that like observing mind still clear, that like meditative mind clear. Yeah. And and that's really what like modern psychology, positive talk therapy is all about uh, is, you know, there's like depression, which could be a biochemical imbalance, but it can also be this, this, this roll, roll away coaster of these negative thoughts about yourself and Mm -hmm. at CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy, which is actually based on that, that ancient Greek philosophy of stoicism that, that we are our own captain, right? Uh, we choose our own destiny. If we get angry, we're choosing to get angry. We're not letting somebody else dictate whether we can get angry. And there's so many stories of people in prison or being tortured or, uh, you know, at the end of their life where they, they, they choose to have the mindset and a control because everything around them can be taken away from them. But the one thing that nobody can take away from you is your own view of the situation, is your view of yourself and having acceptance over that. Yeah, that's so those that's one of those things that when I'm sitting comfortably in my chair or like out in the grass and I'm reading those incidences of people that have, you know, choose chosen to uh, take on a certain mindset in these situations. When I'm sitting there on the comfy couch, I'm like, yeah, this isn't, I bet that's not too hard. Mm-hmm. I bet I could do that, too. And then as soon as any inkling of some type of struggle comes up in my own life. It's like, what? Fuck this. Like, why is this happening to me? And I immediately go into this like animal instinctive mode Mm. and you start to realize how fucking difficult that actually would be, especially when you're talking about like 
wars and Holocaust and all that type of stuff. And you're like, holy fuck, these people still chose this mindset. Like I can barely do that when I'm having a bad day at work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it reminded me of this, uh, this recent climbing movie that came out on, it wasn't on Netflix, but it was by National Geographic. Uh, the, the last movie I was actually watching was Maru, which I think came back out in 2017. That's a, that's a fantastic movie. Yeah. yeah. That's the same guy who did, um, the one who just won the Oscar, um, with Alex Honnold, uh, Oh, motherfucker. No, I'm not good with movie names. Uh, it's the one where he climbed uh, El Capitan. That one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the one I'm, re- I'm thinking about. Oh, I can't remember the name dude. of it. Dude. But we're gonna, it's definitely going to be in the podcast notes, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck, what's that? Dude. Okay, it's not Don Wall, because I've had a lot of people tell me about Don Wall, which apparently is mm. better than the movie that we're talking about that we can't remember the name of. Mm. Anyway, go on. We'll th- it'll come to us. Well, it, it's it's amazing during that movie when he's free climbing el capitan even the the times the even in, in a movie prior where he failed and even he fell off just the amount of mental self-discipline and control that you have to have is is crazy because there's so many times where we have these situations where we just have panic attacks and we're like oh shit oh shit about somewhat menial things in our lives and there's this other mental toolbox i like to have where i call it it's called the 10 10 10 strategy so you get mentally upset about something and you you ask yourself, is this going to matter 10 minutes from now, 10 days from now, 10 years from now, etc. And it helps to put that situation in context so that you can choose not to get as emotionally like agitated about the situation. And it doesn't always make it go away instantly, but it, but having a, a mental flashlight at which you take that flashlight away from these this negative feeling and point it towards something more positive, it's not necessarily repressing it, but you're choosing to move past it in a way. Um, uh, and the, the the discipline that he has to have at every single moment, the the focus, and to choose not to to get like holy shit, what am I doing? To look down, right? Uh, it, that's just uh, phenomenal. And I think uh, there's, I, I wish he would come out with a book and something about his mental processes and how he goes about uh, doing that. Whether it's something that we just have to put ourselves in risky situations because when you're in that situation, you ha- you can't do anything else. You you have to focus on exactly what you're doing because it is life and death. Uh, so I don't know if that's, if there's other ways that we as people can go about achieving that, that sort of discipline. I think there definitely is. I think that it, um, is something that, like you said, it requires, it requires doing things that are uncomfortable, which seems very obvious, right? Mm. I think the issue nowadays is that if you look like pre-civilization, right? Like pre 10,000 years ago before agriculture, and you look at daily life in terms of like what maybe a hunter-gatherer society would be, which actually isn't nearly as barbaric as what we picture it, right? It's not cavemen. Like they actually worked only about six hours a day. Mm. But they always were naturally throughout their lives, just the, their existence, they were put in situations that were going to be slightly difficult and arduous, right? So they had to hunt. They had to construct their own uh, living situation, right? They had uh, interpersonal dynamics that had to be resolved face-to-face. Um they probably did have conflict with other tribes that were then resolved within the community. So there was all these like checks and balances that are, that are still wired in our brain yeah. in terms of like us overcoming a struggle. They have to go to a new place. You all, you have to fucking walk there, right? Mm. Are you cold and you want to get warm? Build a fucking fire. Well, mm. what do you have to do? You have to go gather wood. You have to do so many things even within just a daily life that are slightly difficult that have been robbed. Yeah. We have none of that in our life anymore. If I'm if I'm cold right now, I will walk ten feet that way, and I will press two buttons, and I will come sit back down here, and the room will be warm for us. Right. And I mean, it's it's taken to such an extreme now that I think that everyone has to go so out of their way to get even slightly uncomfortable that I think it's really robbing us all of uh of of really getting to the truth of like who we are and like discovering what we're capable of. Because it just takes so much effort to even get a little uncomfortable nowadays. Yeah, uh, I, I recently finished watching this great documentary on, on Netflix. It can, it can be a little boring, but if you just stick with it, do you it's, remember it's the name? Abs- it's called Happy. <laughs> oh, that's a great yes. one. That's a fantastic one as well. Yes. Yeah, and, and they right, were one for two. We remembered one out of two. 
<laughs> great. And 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 in that movie, they they showed different cultures and, and areas. It's, it's also sort of like the Blue Zone, which was a study, and, and they made a movie and, and a book out of it as well a while back about what allows us to live longer. And you know, in Western society, where we have all these pharmaceutical drugs that we're always taking, and it's like if you take one, there's always going to be side effects. I haven't really met anybody who's taken any kind of a pharmaceutical drug that's not related to health and continue to take it for an extended period of their life because of the side effects. It just just can be horrendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if we're dealing with say something like depression uh, here we don't know and so it's just like give them a drug but if we if if you look at uh, prior aspects of, of society uh, we have uh, a, a group that we're with and I, I know over in like what it's it's Dutch or, or it's it's a uh, Dutchland or no it's uh, whatever that country is and and they they, they live in like these community centers where it's like yes you have your family yes you have your private space but then you go eat in a communal area with the rest of the people and I can just imagine if somebody's dealing with some sort of trauma or or issue they can go speak to the elders of the community and so you have this great support system this great support network and here we're we're always like we don't even know our neighbor across the street like I live in an apartment complex right now I, I know one of one neighbor and then that's it like and i don't even really actually want to know anybody else because the one time i i knew the neighbor below me it was always awkward because like one time she texted me when i was doing the vacuum and she's like what's that noise and and after a while it just kind of gets awkward so i'd rather not meet my neighbors but i and that's kind of like fucked up too because having these connections and these social bonds actually allow us to be happy and also give us meaning you know even there's there if if, if you feel uh upset or sad go volunteer because that's going to instantly make you feel happy because there's all the psychology, even like what Simon Sinek says on his why TED talk, that we need a why, we need a meaning, you know, and then you go back to Vicar Frank, Frankter, uh, Frank with that. Frankel, uh, from what's, what's the name of that book? Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning. And that he was in this dire situation, but he had control over his view of the situation and he was able to get through that uh, mentally. You know, even if, even if he was luckily able to get that through a physical mentality, Mm. uh, to be able to be mentally strong, that is, uh, that's huge. Uh, so to have control over your environment, uh, to have uh, social connections, I mean, to eat the right food, to, uh, yeah, I think hopefully we can go back and see where technology has taken us array and try and figure out how we can potentially use technology to help improve our lives in the future, which I think is what we all want. Yeah, yeah, and I I think you're right. I think right now what's happening is that we're in such a, uh, um, I don't know if it's called like the Gilded Age or something, but we're in such a revolution that we're, we're in the hurricane right now. Mm. you know what i mean that's the way i see i see it like we're, we're in it we have no idea where it's taking us and i think once it starts once the storm passes we can take account of the damage and we can and i think it's it's, start, it's happening already people mm. are already going on meditation retreats and they're you know putting the blockers on their phone um because that's probably the number one thing i hear from people in terms of like how to improve their life they will uh when i'm talking to different people they're they want to know how they can limit their phone time yeah and they, they, you end up can you sometimes we get trying to think ourselves through a future situation and we can't figure out how to get through it. And, and if we, we have that, you know, analysis paralysis where we just try and analyze stuff too much. And I've done this about business. I've done this about life decisions. And you just feel like you can't make any progress because you don't know where to go to next. But what I've realized is that sometimes we don't have all the data. And when I don't have all the data, I just need to make a decision because there is a, a, a quantitative amount of data that will, I will get just simply by choosing to make whatever my intuition, my gut feeling is telling me to do. Yes. And so yeah. even doing a podcast, I wanted to do my own podcast for at, at least like a year and a half, but I was, I basically didn't do it. I had low confidence in myself. I didn't know what it would be about. I didn't know what the name would be. I, I looked at other people and I was like, I want to be like that. And then feeling like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. And at some point I just had to get over my shit and I just had to do it because yeah. also realizing that I'm going to learn more about that process by the act of doing. And there's so many creators, even 
even like YouTube videos, like there's uh there's MKBHD on YouTube who does all the gadget reviews. And you know, he, his reviews are like the, the amazing, like the top reviews now for any kind of electronic device. But if you go back all the way to like 2006 or earlier when he started doing them at like 12 years old, I mean, he's horrible. But I mean, that's, he didn't have that fear of, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm not going to do this. And I also see that that, that is a blessing for myself of, of starting so young is that you don't have that mental filter of like, oh, I, I didn't go to business school, so I can't start a business. I have, I don't know how to build an app, so I'm not going to even try, you know, and we stop ourselves way too early mm-hmm. because we think we're already incompetent before we start. And at least when you're a kid, you just want to do it and, and you just, you're so intrinsically motivated. You know, I did this, this talk with high school students the other day and there was a, a girl who asked me, how do you stay motivated and how do you balance your life between your business and, and your school? But I don't think she saw the fact that building the business for me at that time, it was so motivating. Like I would wake up, I would, I would handle billing tickets. I would take phone calls from bitchy clients and then I would go to school and then I'd have a Palm Pilot and I would be answering emails in between classes and then I would go home and then I would work on the business for another good four, six hours and then I'd do homework before I had to go to sleep. And for me, that wasn't work. That was like playing a video game. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't something I had to balance. I mean, I did. I, I My grades kind of dropped in school because I just became obsessed with the business. But it's so often that we start something or you, you do a passion project and then you just feel like, uh, why am I doing this? So yeah, and you bring up so many fucking good points in in that uh, in the speech you just gave. And I appreciate you not interrupting me, dude, because I, I if I were you, I could see I could see you, and I was like, oh, God, I've got a point, I got a thought, I got to say something. Yeah, no, 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 I know. I've, so I've made that mistake multiple times before, where like I interject when someone's on a roll, and it just impedes the flow of their thoughts, and then it eventually impedes the flow of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten better at just like let people talk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so many good points in that, and I think that a huge thing that I've been talking to a lot of people about like just my buddy CJ yesterday about like thinking things linear, like in a linear fashion instead of this like comprehensive circular fashion that life is. And I don't know if it's, if, I don't know if it's our human brain or if it's just the society that we're in right now where everything is like needs to have an end result. I think mm-hmm. it, it becomes, I think a lot of it is from like the mechanization of our lives and like in industry mm-hmm. and commerce where it's like, well, are, are you, like when you're doing a business, right? And you're looking at numbers, you're like, well, I put in this input to get this output, mm-hmm. right? But hobbies and interests and passion and curiosity and intuition don't work like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's never a concrete output to anything. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like it, it, you can start to write a book and halfway through realize that you don't want to write it because through writing, you realize that your real passion, you know, or something else got triggered that you really want to go start a screenplay instead. You don't want to do the book. It's about screenplay. And then as you start on the screenplay, you're like, you know what? It's more about, um, you know, evoking people's emotions. I think I want to get into doing, uh, you know, improv. It's more about like the emotion. And you just like, you're following these little, like a stepping stone, mm-hmm. you know, like a path in the woods that kind of meanders and you're not sure where it goes. But still, that's a it's a bad habit to get into. Of like, okay, it's actually a screenplay, so I'm going to stop writing the book and I'm going to jump to the screenplay. Is that can actually become a mental habit? Is that you've done it in the past, so it's okay to continue doing that in the future? So as much as stopping a project, exactly. And as much as like sometimes I still do do that myself, I try not make it a habit. Where if I commit to to something, I follow it through, right? And I think that's yeah step. Even if you feel like it's not the direction you want to go into, it's just that building that that self discipline, just sort of like being sure. In a way. Well, I think that it depends. I think it depends on what you're working on and why you're working on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that. So, for an example, um, this podcast, and I've told this story on here before, but, you know, I had a massive, massive epiphany from the fucking angels or God or like my intuition, whatever you want to call it. I spent 24 hours by myself at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, actually, like about 32 hours. When I came back up to the top and I was driving back down to the border of Mexico where I was stationed and it just hit me like almost nothing has ever hit me in my life that I had to do a podcast, right? So you would think that I would run home and I would immediately start my podcast because it hit me so hard, right? No, it took me a year to get over my own shit that you were talking about. It took me a year to get over my fears. Ooh, what should I name it? Got to get a logo. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to put it out there. I'm, you know, internally it was really just about like, 
fear about what other people are going to think, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to put myself out there. That's terrifying. So from the moment I had that, the angel singing in my ear until the time that I posted my first really shitty podcast that's still up, uh, terrible quality, mm. uh, that was a year, right? And then through the past three years of doing this, there have been times where I almost stopped. I almost quit. And that would have been fine, right? Because there's no end there's no end game to doing a podcast. Like these this is an open-ended project. Yeah. Right? So it's like, and I had to ask myself, okay, are you quitting because you're scared? Are you quitting because you're just being a little pansy right now and you don't want to do any more work on it? Or what it's too hard, right? Or are you quitting because you're just you don't want to do it anymore? Like you're just it doesn't it doesn't fulfill you the way it used to. You just mm-hmm. That interest left, yeah. right? And there's something else there to take its place and you need to find that. And there were moments like that that have happened that then something came in where I gave myself some space to, without my phone or any distractions, to really process and like just kind of feel like, do I still want to do this? And the answer was a, a resolute yes. Yeah. And that's why I continued. Yeah, listen, you know? listening to our emotions, that's like, the most difficult thing in today's world. Oh, it's dude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, yeah, that's why meditation has become so much more powerful. And, and like a lot of people, they stop meditating because like, I don't see the benefit. I'm not more productive. And it's like, that that wasn't, that's not the purpose of it. It's a know? perfect point. It's a perfect uh, point. Yeah. And, and we're always trying to say like, why am I doing this? How am I deriving benefit from this thing? Right. So and what do you think that comes from? I think well, we all have that desire to, to be a better version of ourselves. I mean, even the... I mean, the, why the, do we think that it has to be... I obviously have a bias. I have my own opinion that I kind of already stated. But why do you think that we have to derive... Why do we initially think... Why, like, why do we go to productivity and benefit instead of just doing what it is for the act of doing it? Well, we live in a society that values fame, success, fortune... And productivity is often associated directly with more uh, more output, which means more money and more of whatever we, we want. And so that's sort of like the default mode to it, right? Uh, I don't know what's uh, too much to add on that. No, I agree. Yeah. Good. I don't have to argue with you. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's exactly, I, I think it's the exact same thing, man. I really do. Yeah. I think it's been, I think we've been programmed to look at everything in terms of like, like I said, an input output, like what are you, what tangibly are you getting out of this? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, can I go back to our emotions actually? You is can so, do whatever you want, man. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do that is so, so, uh, one, one actual, one actual great example of, of when I've started meditating is I was able to, uh, so for the longest time I've been dealing with these negative feelings of procrastination and I wouldn't know why. And I, I was, kind of berating myself over it and i started to realize like just this one moment it was like a pivotal moment is like i got up to go grab a snack but in that moment when i was going to my kitchen to grab a snack i'm like wait why am i getting a snack and i i sort of asked like am i hungry i was like no not really it's like oh there's like a robin on that tree just, oh that's a bluebird yeah, a bluebird wow yeah that's a, it's a beautiful bird isn't it it's yeah. actually it's um it's come back here in the backyard all the time when i'm working it hops around right here wow. i think it might be the same one hmm. well Anyway, that's that's good to note that moment as we're talking about yeah. living in the moment in a, yeah. in a way. And I asked myself, why am I getting to grab a snack? And I realized, wait, I was looking at an email that I didn't want to do. And I had so many negative emotions about even the thought of it. And then there's there's various paths of where procrastination comes from, whether you're low energy, uh, whether you just feel uh, you have that perfectionistic tend- tendency or whatnot. But that's like the prime example I give is that I, I felt in that moment for the first time, something I've been doing for years is getting up and grabbing a snack. And now I can actually try and remind myself and be conscious I'm doing it because, oh, I'm, I'm hitting something. And then that, again, allows me to observe that that feeling of procrastination. And then I can try and do like a little mental commitment of saying, okay, I don't want to do this, but maybe I can sit here for one minute. I've got this great little Mac app called Just Timer. And it ha- it's this little timer that I can click on the menu bar and I can drag it down just like a line, like you're drawing a string down. And then I can create a timer for however long I want. And sometimes I just drag it down to like a minute or 
or two minute. And I just tell myself sometimes just, okay, I'm going to look at this blank document and I'm going to write, but I don't have to write. And I'm just going to sit here for a minute and then I can go grab a snack. And there's oftentimes I'm sitting there for that minute. So I just like, well, I might as well just, oh, here's this thought. Let me just write it down. You know, and that turns into creating my first outline, you know, and if I had just let my ghost myself uh, engage and the, the tendency to be hedonistic and just grab a snack or maybe watch a YouTube video, then I never would have started on that task. Now on the the opposite end about actually listening to your emotions, you know, and there's a reason why we end up having, there's this great thing on, on Amazon called shower thought, like the shower pad, you know, because we so many get so many great ideas about our life and problems in the shower mm-hmm. and it's because we're devoid of all the sensory stimuli. We're not distracting our mental processes from all these things around mm-hmm. us like our phone or TV. And there is this great routine I have at night. And so I, I ended up buying this massage chair and I have a tendency most nights I'll get into it before going to bed because we end up always having this monkey mind in bed where we have these anxiety, these thoughts, and we can't stop thinking. And the psychology around our environment shows that we should only be doing things and things in a specific location. So if we go to bed, we should only be having sex and sleep there, you know, and if you bring your phone and your laptop into bed, you're actually creating subconscious awareness to your brain of like, oh, maybe it's time to work. And then it actually makes it more difficult to go to work. And so I have this sort of like a meditation chair, but it's a massage chair is I'll get into it. And if I, if I'm feeling anxious, I'll, I'll let the whole thing go. It's like a 20 minute session. And now, now the first time you get into it, you just can't stop thinking about what it's doing. Like, oh, it's, it's pressing my, my arm. It's buzzing something. Uh-huh. But after you do it X amount of times, you just stop thinking about it. And I like to think of it as kind of like my own version of a float tank is that mm. I'm devoid. I also have like a aromatherapy. I have this little thing I heat in the microwave and I put it over my eyes and it makes it nice and moist. It sounds pleasant. Uh, it does. And I have this little mint that I'll put in my mouth. Stop. And so uh, yes, can I go over? It is, yes, <laughs> it is. It is it, it's an amazing experience. And to do it on a regular basis is I've, I, I basically retreat in my own head and I have like the, I have my headphones on and I, I listen to. It's called a channel on di.fm, which is like a digital music uh, streaming Sorry, service. Sorry, it's a channel. So, so it's di.fm. It's like oh, a paid streaming service for di. digital music. Fm. Got and it. there's this particular channel I love to listen to. It's called Space Dreams. And it's this most uh, atmospheric music that it flows from each song to the next. And they just have this amazing playlist. And I just, I just put it on and I'm able to retreat into my own head. And often I'm able to pull up these anxieties about things that happened earlier in the day or, or an interaction. And I'm able to think about that undistracted. I'm able to be present with that emotion. And if it's angry, sometimes I'll get that anger. And like, you know, uh, I've been I've been having to deal with legal things throughout my life, even being audited like twice. And, you know, there was even the one time, so you know how USPS, they scan your mail and then you get an email. So one day I looked at it and then it said, you know, yeah, letter from the IRS. And then knowing that I'm not going to get that actual mail for like another 12 hours or eight hours, it's like in that time period, I'm like, that's all I can think about. What is it? What is the decision? And I, I went into my massage chair and I was able to think about that. And I was, uh, it was in a way I was able to let that anxiety go because I also have a mental filter where I ask myself, okay, I, I recognize this anxiety, this emotion. Is there anything I can do about it? And if there isn't, then I just say, okay, I don't, I don't need you. No, thank you. Uh, thanks for being here. You know, as uh, Gabriel Mate says, you know, even about our addictions, our emotions, our negative feelings, is that if you instead view it as like a stupid friend instead of something that you want to push away, because the more we push away, the more it tends to come back and bite us. But if we look at it as like, you know, you're you're there for a reason. I know you're trying to help me, but thanks, but I'm not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. That changes the the meaning of the situation. And there's been times where I was just so angry about something that somebody did and I couldn't stop thinking about it and just sort of retreating in my own head. I was able to listen to that emotion. I was able to give it the time of day to actually talk to me because often what we're doing with our negative feelings is we're just saying, put, you know, put the hand up, don't talk to me. And then it gets, it's yelling louder and louder. Like you can't do that to your partner, right? Yeah. <laughs> they would just continue to yell at you louder until you actually paid attention to them because everybody wants to be heard everybody wants to be validated and so do our feelings and we often don't recognize that and so just by giving my anger that time of day i was able to say thanks i listen to you you can go away now and it was literally able to go away and then i was able to spend the rest of the session thinking about positive things else that happened in my life and that was such a pivotal uh, moment to realize that we have such strong mental control over ourselves if we can choose to kind of listen to even the, the parts about ourselves that we don't like because again they just want to be validated and heard 
That's a beautiful, I've never heard of that. I really like the line you said of give it time to talk to you. Mm. You know, that it's actually like a two-way conversation almost. Yeah. That's yeah. a beautiful way to look at it, man, because you're 100% correct. And whatever way you choose to do that, whether it's a meditation chair with uh, some cabana boy dipping chocolate mints in your mouth <laughs> or or you do meditation or writing it out, right? Or going for a walk for a half hour by yourself. Yeah. But I think you're right, just limiting the distractions and then just listening and letting whatever comes up come up yeah. to gently deal with it makes you a much stronger person. Oh, and, and I have a name for it, and it's probably not like a, a proper name, but it's my name, so I, that's my thing, is I call it like the reverse meditation because I'll meditate in the morning, and we know there's various types of meditation, but the, the most prominent one that people are trying because they're trying to be productive is that they try and clear their head, and they focus on their breathing or they focus on a mantra, and any thought that comes in, people have the tendency to think, oh, I'm not doing it right. And sometimes, though, like I'll, I'll, I used to use a little sticky note now I just have Alexa. So I'll just say, Alexa, my, add to my task list is that anytime I'll get that thought of like, oh, I have to do this thing is I'll still do that. You know, I don't be like, oh, that thing I have to do, I'm just going to dismiss it. But in the evening, I have that reverse meditation where instead of trying to just focus on one thing and be focused and clear headed, I let my anxieties come out and I listen mm. to them. I listen to those feelings uh, because I think a part of it is, is that we don't have time to journal. And I think there, there's negatives to journaling, but for the most part, you're, you're giving giving your, yourself time to pay attention to what happened in the past. And you're able to think about that. And even if we we're to go on to my journaling habit, I use this app called exist.io. It's like 65 bucks a month, but it, it combines all this data from my watch, from my sleeping thing, uh, from how productive I am on rescue time. And it tries to tell me this, this sort of quantified version of myself about all these stats and how they interact. And every day I'll, I'll, I'll rate each day from one through a five, one being it's a shitty, terrible day five being it was a great best amazing day in my life and at the end of every week i have a weekly journaling journaling habit where i take all these daily highlights i bring them into the same little journal i use day one it's a mac app and i'll, I'll ask myself what happened that day and then i'll actually write down like a little hyphenated bullet format is the the things that drew up the most emotions or the, or the triggers and then i'll primarily talk about that so you can use whether it's like i, I still use drag and dictate or you can use any kind of dictation i think you have to really dictate it and not write it out at least for me what do you mean by dictate so dictate as in i'm talking into a microphone and then it's dictating you know it's typing oh what i'm it. typing right got it, got it. and so i'll do that with my journal about my thoughts and my feelings and just like this conversation it has a certain flow and ambience to it that it wouldn't have if this was a a written conversation you know a written interview where, like i've done where you send a list of questions and i just answer the questions yeah for sure uh, so to have that even with your own thought process and your in emo your own emotions uh, i think it's it's vital it's it's important and uh, i don't think that that everybody needs to necessarily journal, but you need to have some sort of, of practice where you're able to sit with your feelings and not just push them away constantly mm. like we've been told or, or drawn to do in our current society. Yeah, and I think that it's I think that's a natural inclination because they're uncomfortable. And like we talked about earlier, I think technology lets you it gives you such an easy out all the time. Because mm -hmm. whenever you feel anything at all or you have a moment to yourself, what do we all do? Pull out the phone. Yep. Right, you see people in the checkout line. I mean, I I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Yeah. But I, it's interesting now that when I'm in a room, or if I'm in a, I'm, if I'm in a waiting room, you know, everybody takes their phone out now. Yeah. And and the thing that I do, if everybody else has their phone out around me, I purposely put my phone in my pocket, and it just feels weird to to not be looking at my phone because I just don't want to. There's, there's this that desire. It makes me feel special too. It makes me feel a little yeah, superior. Yeah. I, th I think there's an ego part <laughs> There's an ego it. trip yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. To, to feel superior of not using I, my phone. Oh know. dude, I do the, whenever I'm on my phone, I think to myself, well, you know, I have important things to do. And then whenever I see other people on their phone and I put it away, I'm like, mm. see that all these suckers on their phone. Like mm. I'm not like them. Yeah. <laughs> this is the ego, like playing it both ways in my head. And I'm surprised that well, I'm not necessarily terribly surprised, but there's been tons of apps about the, uh, you know, put your phone on the table or I, I, I'd never even been well, in, in that situation. Sorry, if you're that drinking game no. so there's a drinking game, you go to a bar with all your friends, you, everyone takes out their phone and put it on silent. So it doesn't ring or anything. And you all put your phone to the middle of the table. First one to reach for it and look at it. You have to buy everybody a drink mm. and you go down the line until there's one person left. Mm. it's fucking phenomenal because you realize that everyone really starts to engage with each other. Mm -hmm. 
Because even if people aren't looking at their phones, you have it on vibrate in your pocket. We're having this conversation right now. And it- you just go to my website slash morning dash routines is I wrote sort of this, this long thing about routines out, including where I talk about this reverse meditation at evening and I'll wake up and I have this thing that I call my mind, my body, my soul, and I will go exercise. Uh, first thing I do, I'll either go to the gym, do strength training, or I'll do a four mile run. The second thing I do is I'll go and pretty sure I, I, I rotate it. I think I was, I either, I will meditate and I still use the headspace app. You know, it's a tool, but I like how you can change the focus of the meditations where it can be about self-compassion. Then it can be about productivity. It can be about thinking about others and you change the focus of it. And you basically try all the various ways of meditation. And then you, then I'll do reading for 30 minutes and I just use a Kindle for that. And I get on my massage chair and I do, I put, have like a heated blanket and I just kind of get in there and I just kind of snuggle. And massage I just chair just, yep. This it's seems out of control. Chair. It is. It's a great massage chair. Uh, it, it's it's actually so it's called the Inada massage chair, and it's actually the most expensive massage chair on the market, like 10k. But I was able to get it off some guy off eBay for like 6k. So oh. it worked out off e- oh, off eBay. Yeah, but no there, stains there, on there it. Are, are there cheap- any stains on that chair? No, no, no. no. It, was, it, was, it was good. <laughs> but th- there are cheaper massage. Chairs. It, you know, it's not the quality of the chair. Uh, I just decided to get it after I sold my first company. But just having a place that you go and sit. I also right. sponsor this thing called the the uh, I think it's called the Lunar Pad or the or the the Moon. Oh, it's called the Moon Pod. And it was a, a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo project. And it's just basically this giant beanbag in a way. It's like they just kind of redesigned it. It was basically as if Elon Musk did a, a, you know, a beanbag. It would be the moon pod. And so I love to use this actually for my meditation as I'll get in a separate room. But I have, you know, it's something that's even movable. So even if you don't have a space, you have to have some spot that you go to for a specific purpose, whether it's meditation or thinking about your thoughts. But uh, but to go back to my my routine, this is that's my three primary routines. Now, my other routine is mind, is more, body, soul. Exactly. So you're meditating first, then you're working out, then you're reading. Yeah. Got it. And then after that, I'll go to the computer. That's kind of where shit hits the fan sometimes because yeah. you just like, you have so many stimuluses. Uh, but I, I was able to use this app and I, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's, it's it was a great app because you, we have all these habit tracking apps, right? But the problem is that unless you're getting into the habit of actually uh, logging the habit <laughs> within the app, like you, you download it, you buy it, you never actually use it. But there's this great little thing that actually chunked it down. And so the problem with a lot of our creating these habits is that you have to create stronger associations to existing habits. You have to kind of group them into chunks. And so when I was able to get to my computer, I was able to open up my iPad and it's kind of, I had like a little clip on next to the computer and I was able to open up this app and it was basically like this timed uh, countdown of these things that I would do sequentially. And so I would do Duolingo for 10 minutes and then I would read an article in my pocket, you know, just like where you save articles that you want to read later. I I would read one article a day. Uh, I would also do about 20 minutes of an online course, whether I'm doing like the LinkedIn courses, whether I'm doing a course on Creative Live or Udemy, is I would do something just so I feel like I'm I'm taking an online course, I'm learning uh, a language, and I so I feel like I try and create these 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 areas uh, within all these parts of my life to be receptive to different parts, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whether it's your mind, and so I'll do the mind just like book reading, but I think there's a limitation. You know, you can read X amount of books. And I've read lots of books about interpersonal skills. And yet there are some times I just absolutely suck at interpersonal communication. Uh, and it seems like no matter how many times I read, there's a difference in actually practicing it. And so I try and be receptive to doing an online what course. Parts, what parts do you feel like you struggle with? There's, there's certainly the greetings. There's also sometimes understanding people, uh, although I've been getting incredibly better at that. But uh, th- there used to be body language. But uh, it's it's interesting actually being with Aspergers is that we're basically we're we have this low EQ where we naturally can't understand somebody with like what when their feet's pointed away or if oh. they're if they're darting their eyes away we know what does that mean instinctively we sort of get this knowledge as we grow up but for me I actually had to watch a course on what body language means you know just sort of like there is that uh, TV show on, on the body language and whatnot and I actually feel like I know more than the average person now about body language and what they mean and seeing those subtle little things that we do that we are completely un, un, unaware of yeah. is that if, if you might see a little flash of anger uh, come across somebody's face, they might not even be aware of it because in their mind, they're hiding their anger, but we can't control these little verbal tics that we sometimes do. And so to even to be conscious of that is an incredible thing. Do you, do you think that you weren't, were you not actually 
conscious of it in a sense of like, I feel like a lot of people aren't aware that they are conscious of that, even yeah. though that they are recognizing that mm-hmm. as a human. Do you feel like that's the same with you or do you feel like that you weren't even like, yeah, that, that that's, you a, know what I mean? That, that is, that is a problem. Sometimes I'm not, I'm not very well connected with my emotions at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is uh, probably a thing with Aspies is that we, we don't always know what our emotions are and it's more difficult to be receptive and open to them than say a regular person. Okay. got it. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think just through meditation, through mindfulness, through new experiences, uncomfortable situations, I've been able to kind of take a lot of this stuff in and, yeah. and become a lot better at it. Yeah, interpersonal stuff. The podcast will help a lot with that. Yeah, I mean, interpersonal stuff, man. I, I, yeah. I, the only way to get better at that is to do interpersonal stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I've done, I've done. Uh, so I, I used to live in LA. I, I did acting uh, for a little bit. I also did. I've done two improv classes. But it's just not not too much of a fan about that that I'm currently doing Toastmasters. So I try and do something oh, awesome, on yeah. like a weekly basis where I'm putting myself into an uncomfortable situation. And right? that's especially for you, that's wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That's like hitting the pressure point pretty mm-hmm. much, right? Yeah. And that's where I think where a lot of times you the, the results come in at a much faster rate is when there's things that make you mildly uncomfortable. Right? Like calling a friend that you haven't talked to in a few months or in like six months is like that's yeah. mildly uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, I've tried I still have a bad habit of not doing that because I'll I'll know I should call somebody, but I just don't want to because it's like a Saturday night or a Sunday or whatever, and it's just like I want to watch oh, TV there's a million and do excuses. Something. Yeah. But then I've tried to create a mental uh trick about trying to do it when I'm in transit. So if I'm driving from X location to X location, instead of listening to a podcast, maybe I can call somebody, just say hi, you know? And that's a lot easier I find to do because I'm already going to be available in that time frame rather than being at home and wanting to watch or play a video game and it's being able to try and get yourself to make that call. For sure. Driving is the best time. I probably do 80% of my communication with friends on the phone and family in the car. Hundred percent. I feel like it's going to go away though once we have automated self-driving cars, because then we're just going to default to our phones again, oh. and just like texting, and it's Stop, like, Cody. well, I, I can work while I'm in the commute. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right, man. I mean, even like I notice a significant decrease in the amount of podcasts I listen to. If I'm not commuting that much, it takes me twelve minutes to get into work mm. right now. So I barely listen to podcasts. Mm. They used to be my main source. Well, I do it in the shower now. I, I always just used to listen to music, but I almost never listen to music. Can you, you can hear them talk over the. So, sound so I have I have an Alexa. So I have Sono speakers, but you know, so I'm I'm in this little encapsulated thing. So what I end up doing is taking that that little portable uh, Alexa, and so it's you know it's it's the kind of a glass shower where it has a point to it, and so I always just balance that little Sono speaker on top of the of the point where it, both of the glass panels meet, and it's never dropped. <laughs> I've done it for years. I'm always afraid okay. like sometime I'm going to knock it over. But I've literally done this for like three years and I've never dropped it, not once. But I always do You're it. a bold man. Yeah. And I've, I, that's how I listen to podcasts. But I actually listen to audiobooks more. I like to listen to audiobooks in the shower. And then I'll listen to podcasts primarily when I drive. And I don't know what it is. Something about being able to follow the conversation more uh, when I'm driving. Yeah. And then just being in the shower. It's just I, I like the audiobooks more. So when are you, so you're not getting the... Uh meditative shower experience then because you're doing mm-hmm. input while you're showering yeah true well i not that I, it matters so so if i'm doing so i'll have different types of showers i'll have my my morning shower where i do the audiobook but i also have different types of runs so like if i'm running in the morning i like to listen to a podcast but if i if i'm coming home one day and it's the evening and the sun's setting it's just so beautiful outside i listen to this intuitive gut feeling that says i should go for a run you know a part of me still doesn't want to go for a run because i mean it's a run but if i <laughs> if i if i listen to that feeling now if that feeling comes up i almost guarantee it i'm gonna go running yeah but when i do run i like to i I'd like to listen to music in that time period because that's like a de-stress run. That's like a let's enjoy the moment run. Yeah. And I also recognize there's there's points at where you even want to stop the music and just look around you. So there's this one point on the Lady Bird Lake Trail around Austin that has these trees overhanging the trail. And every time I go past that, I always just look up and I look around and I just sort of tell myself, wow, this is so amazing. Like to be running here, to be alive in this very moment, to see the birds over there, to see the sun shining through the trees, to hear the whistling of the trees to be present in that exact moment it's always an incredible feeling mm-hmm. uh, and it never gets old it never does it really doesn't yeah no well first of all you're the first person i've ever heard to say the sentence i have two different types of showers <laughs> yeah that's a first well, um, i actually have three then, then there's then there's times uh where 
I don't have any music and I'm just uh, completely contemplated and just in my own head. Yeah. And uh, the problem is like, you know, my back, it just gets super red and dry because it was like the super hot setting, but I can just get into my own head sometimes and I can just be in there for like 30 minutes. Yeah. No, you're right. And there's, there's without recognizing it or without planning that out, I guess, I think we all have different types of everything, right? There's different types of dinner. There's different types of friends. There's different types of, yeah, workouts that you do. There's different types of um, sex. Mm. There's different types of pretty much everything that you do. There's like different intention behind it yeah. based on your space and your emotion at that time. Yeah, and different types of emotions. And we don't always, always realize that. And I, I wrote a great book that was also talking about how the English language is so limited because we only have like sad, anxious, depressed, agitated, et cetera. But the amount of words that we have to describe our emotions are so limiting mm-hmm. compared to other languages that actually have words for types of emotions that we don't even have a word for. And there what? is- there Sounds is, like, what, like what? Well, well, one that always comes to mind is this word called schadenfreude which is a German word for uh, being happy over somebody else's, uh, like, you know, if somebody else, you, you watch a video of somebody on YouTube who, like, hits their face or they they knock over something like we laugh we're taking yeah. pleasure at their own expense that's <laughs> yeah. called schadenfreude and so that's a shit. certain type so of happy. funny yeah and to be able to label our emotions just like i can label i have three showers or i have a different types of run to i think the where we're pattern recognition as a species that's what we do and so to be able to label your feelings then again going back to what i said earlier is that if i know i'm sad but then i can narrow it down i'm sad because i haven't spoken to anybody in a while let me call a friend yeah that's going to be the antidote to that type of sadness a specific type of sadness yeah yeah that's very true that's very true and i saw something online that my buddy sent it to me and it was a list of like all these very esoteric emotions that were kind of listed like that and i think and i don't know if they're just made up words but they had words for all these very specific emotions Mm. that aren't a part of our dialect yet I think is the issue, Yeah. but I don't know if this was, I think it was a real site, (laughs) but, but it was things like, um, like the feeling of contentment that you get when like you finish cleaning something or like things like that, where it's like very specific, like the happiness that you get from like hearing a children, a child laugh, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's a very specific type. Right. And so they had all these different words for it. Um, and I think the Japanese, it's the Japanese or the Chinese or Korean. They have 16 different ways to describe love. Yeah. You know, because love is a huge one when you think about it, that you can love, like we use love like, oh, I love this cheeseburger, right? And I love my mom and I love my wife, right? And I love my new car um, and I love this conversation that we're having right now. That's the same word, but none of that means the same thing. Yeah. yeah and if Those are all can- so varied. And if you can categorize a type of love, then I think that also helps you to limit your vices in a way where, you know, we can get addicted to that as like a car. We can love the car and we can get addicted to that feeling of like buying a new car. Before we know it, we're just leasing cars. We're buying a tons of cars, but we have Lamborghinis in our garage if you become successful. That's a good point. And yeah. I, I have a friend that, that had, a, had another entrepreneur friend who became very successful. He had a whole garage full of Lamborghinis and then he ended up selling everything and then just basically being a, a traveling vagabond because he realized he wasn't happy is that he had uh, you know all these cars and he had all the to do this maintenance and like costs of everything it just like it wasn't he wasn't deriving the happiness and he actually actually had to go through that experience in order to understand that there there's also a word for i'm forgetting the word but it's it's a word that we get when we're inside on a rainy day and you look outside and you're like i'm so uh happy to be inside you know there's there's a there's I know a, that an emotion for that yes, yes there is and and a one way i've gone to try and remember these different types of feelings is that uh, you do srs so it's called spaced like space recognition basically like flashcards but online and there's a great program called anki a-n-k-i oh, yeah, I've used but that, i'd like yeah. to use something called tiny cards and so it's by duolingo the same company that makes the, the mm-hmm. language learning and it's called tinycards.duolingo.com and anybody can make their their flashcards and you can literally type in anything and you will find somebody has made a flashcard about it like i did even 48 laws of power you type in 48 laws of power you will see somebody you will see tons of different sets of people who've who've actually itemized all the all the laws of power so you can try and remember them and even emotions you type in emotions and then you can get all these different types of emotions now there's also a a, a very interesting dictionary kind of like a like a like 
Theosaurus and whatnot, where it's an unofficial version of definitions of emotions. So they have a community that upvotes various emotions and people words that people create to mm. describe these things, like that feeling of being inside that on a rainy day. Might be day. the site that my buddy yeah. sent me. Yeah, and so I, I like to go. So there's tiny cards. They have different sessions that go over some of the, the most popular emotions, and I've been doing that. So another habit that I forgot to mention earlier is I don't always get to it, but I love the the that thing of, of whenever you're trying to do a habit and you always, sometimes you don't feel like it, but it's called like the Seinfeld t- technique where actually Seinfeld didn't invent it, but he would have like a calendar and then every day he did something, he would put like a little red X and that's, it's a philosophy of don't break the chain, right? It's like you have, you've done it five days, you might as well do it six days, et cetera, et cetera. And that tiny car will send you an email saying like, don't break the chain. You know, you got, you five, five days in complete the, complete the challenge. Uh, and so I like to go based on the email and then do basically at least one flash card, whether I'm learning like a, a language or emotions, anything like that. You, yeah, it's very interesting to hear how your mind works and like the different ways that you have, um, segmented and like broken down, you know, the parts of your life into, uh, what works and like, yeah. Uh, systemize it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't. It's I don't think I'm smart. I think I just. I just think about stuff a lot more than most people. And that's another issue with society is that we tend to take things in without thinking about them. We we have. Views. You don't think you're smart? No. I well, I mean. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I'm smart. I'm going yeah. to sit here and tell you that I think about stuff more than most people. I'm very. I, I'm. I'm a bit high on the the neurotic scale, but I also have a great degree of mental control, and I also spend just a lot of time thinking about my own thoughts. And that's how do you like, know you're thinking about things more than other people? Well, I don't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just yeah. playing devil's advocate. I, I, I don't. I always wanted the same I, thing. And everybody, people have their own skills and their own passions. You know, if you're a rock climber, you probably th- think a lot about climbing rocks. Yeah. And for me, I, I like to think a lot about productivity and about my own habits. And it just so happens that uh, this, this, this quest of self-awareness and the self-improvement, it's sort of something that we can all relate to because at the end of the day, going back to the very beginning is that we all want to improve ourselves. We all mm-hmm. want to become better human beings. You know, you don't, the, the, the fat person sitting on the couch eating pizza and watching reruns of, of you know, the Game of Thrones series, which is an awesome series, but I mean, you shouldn't be rewatching over and over again is that that guy, he still wants to be successful and rich. He still wants to have abs, but for some reason, he's not able to get himself out of that rut. And sometimes we need help. Uh, but mm. you can also just think about why you do certain stuff. And often we default to reading a book or if I want to lose weight, I'm going to take a diet pill. And you don't really think about why it is you want to lose weight. You know, I think there's that that inner meaning, mm. that that desire that we all have. And I've had moments where, because I, I grew up fat, like I kind of was a little of my grandparents, they would make me eat all the food on my table and I got chubby and I kind of had man boobs growing up as a kid. <laughs> I was always super self-conscious. <laughs> and at one point I just looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, you know what? I do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fucking do this. This is gonna be the year that I get in shape and that I start going to the gym. You know, I've I've tried going to the gym before, but for some reason in that moment, I told myself I've had enough of this shit. I'm gonna fucking do it. And then from that moment on, you know, it hasn't been every day, but I've been going to the gym consistently. I was able to lose weight, build muscle, and. It was through these series of, of mini steps because, again, I used to think I was stupid, that I would never achieve anything in life. And through, uh, as I basically started out reading Ink and Forbes articles, and it said successful people, they meditate. Successful people read books. And then I went off and bought a Kindle, and I didn't read the Kindle at all. But then I started this, this mini journey where I challenged myself to do mini habits. So I started journaling, just basically doing like a paragraph a week into like notepad and that blossomed into this crazy journaling habit that I have today that I, I have have on my blog but to, to I started this this process of self-improvement and every time I made progress it was like wow I can achieve that I wonder what else I can achieve you know and then I became uh, got a pilot's license just and I remember when I was younger I would always play Microsoft Flight Simulator but at the same time while I was flying the 737 I told myself I'm too stupid I can never fly a plane you know and then I became a scuba diver and got like all these different certifications and it's not that I'm necessarily passionate about flying an airplane or scuba diving. It was this this challenge. And, and this all contributes to my view of who I am, my identity in this very moment. And so anytime I'm greeted with a challenge, I can always tell myself like, shit, when I was, when I was like 21, 
I flew to Guatemala and I had, I didn't even know it was a third world country. And I flew to it by myself, never having traveled outside, being this hermit who always lives in the basement. And somehow I just basically exposed myself to this instant third world, this culture. And I it was kind of, uh, I was like, holy crap, what did I get myself into? I was having a panic attack, but nonetheless, I did it, you know? And so going back to all these prior situations, if I can do that in the past, I can do anything that honestly I meet in the future. And, and Ryan, one of Ryan Holiday's greatest, uh, I think it was his second book called The Obstacle is the Way is, is you always think about whatever fear, whatever obstacle is in front of you, that's where you need to go. And so often we're not aware of that. It's hard to remind ourselves of that, but that is how we grow. And if you can remind ourselves of all the obstacles that we overcame in the past, and that gives you that sort of mental discipline, that clarity that we can get over, we can call it your gremlins, you can call it your bitch voice, whatever you want. If you can recognize that that is this negative self-talk and to Mm -hmm. recognize, okay, that's just an obstacle. I can do it once I can do it again. Thanks so much for tuning in to that fresh, fresh, freshy episode. Um, Yeah, Cody's a good guy. Smart guy, too. So check him out. Check out his book, all that good shit. Um, I don't really have anything else to say here at the end except for keep tuning in. Um, And if you are listening to this, reach out. Find me on Instagram. Find me somewhere. Um, I should just put my fucking number on here. I should get like a, I should get a burner phone. I should get a burner flip phone. That's only for my podcast audience where just you guys can send me texts or calls and I can answer questions and stuff. I don't know what questions I would answer. Let's not do that. I'm not going to answer any questions because that just sounds very like Miss Cleo, but Reach out to me on Instagram for now. Maybe I'll put up some numbers soon. I always dreamed about having a burner phone because that's what I feel like you do right before you do something crazy. Like before you move to Mexico and are never heard from again, you get a burner phone, right? Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, guys, enjoy uh, the rest of June here and keep tuning in because I'm going to be posting some stuff, even though I say that frequently. And then I go another month before I post. But this time's going to be different. This time is going to be the one. So when all things change. Um, all right. Love you guys. See you.